1: From Myanmar to the United States, their dreams and hopes for a world without violence and a world where every woman and girl can be whoever she wants to be. Hosted by Amina Rasul Bernardo, President of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy. This is She Talks Peace.
2: Salam, salam, dear listeners. Welcome to another episode of She Talks Peace. I'm Amina Rasul of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy, joining you from Manila. Today will be a special episode because our guest on this episode is then Vice President Lenny, now Attorney Lenny, who remains a prominent figure who has dedicated her life to public service and embodied commitment to making a positive impact on society. She is an economist, a lawyer, and a political leader. Although, let me tell you, dear listeners, a very reluctant political leader. The first time that we met, she was in civil society advocating for juvenile justice in their hometown of Naga in the Bicol region and didn't really like the political life that was her husband, uh, Jesse's life. But, you know, when the needs come, right? There's nothing to be done. You have to accept the challenge and move forward. So, Lenny Robredo, has had a colorful journey in leadership. Even prior to her political career, she worked as a public attorney and a coordinator of the Centro ng Alternatibong Lingap Panliga or Saligan. It's an alternative legal support group that fought for the rights of disadvantaged individuals and provided legal education. She was also president of the Naga City Council for Women and founded the Lakas ng Kababaihan ng Naga Federation, which provided training and livelihood opportunities for women. And would you believe she translated Bicol into Bicol, versions of relevant laws for greater accessibility. In 2013, she was elected As representative of Camarines Sur 3rd District, where she championed and authored multiple bills, some of which are the People Empowerment Bill, the Comprehensive Anti-Discrimination Bill, and with much thanks from all of us from Muslim Mindanao, supported the Bangsamoro Basic Law. Then she became the Vice President. She was elected as Vice President of the Republic and continued to forward transparency and participatory governance. She launched Angat Buhay, which means uplifting lives, coordinating the public and private partnership to help marginalized communities. And during the COVID-19 pandemic, then Vice President Lenny Robredo was seen all over the place, trying to do what she could to help those who were in need. She ran for the presidency and lost, but the spark that uh, then Vice President Lenny, now Attorney Lenny, lit among the spirits of Filipinos remains alive and strong. And recently, Because uh, Attorney Lenny and I are from the same university, the University of the Philippines, I'm so proud that she was awarded this year's Most Distinguished Alumna Award by the University of the Philippines Alumni Association. Welcome to She Talks Peace, Attorney Lenny. Hi Amina, it's
0: good to be with you again.
2: (laughs) So thank you so much for, for joining us and congratulations. On the, award, on the award for the Most Distinguished Alumna.
0: And, and I know, cool. Amina, you have, been, you have been a recipient of the same award many
2: years ago. Many years ago. <laughs> so, how are you these days? You're, I understand it's a holiday and you're in the office and you have yes. a lot of visitors.
0: I, you know, we don't have holidays. Uh, we, don't have <laughs> enough, you know, we don't have enough time to really um, entertain visitors. So even on ho- holidays, we schedule we schedule court visits. Um, the last one just um, just just got out a few minutes before uh, we went online.
2: And uh, Attorney Lenny, these are mostly about angat buhay, right?
0: Yes, uh, most of them are angat buhay. Um, most of them were also also uh, supporters during the campaign. Um, most of the group, most of the volunteer groups that were formed during the campaign have transformed themselves into civil society organizations that have been partnering with Angat Buhay already in the many different um, activities um, and projects that we have launched.
2: So now, after politics, well, we're not really sure after politics, but now you're <laughs> back to where you started, which is yes, civil yes. society. I,
0: I, I really feel I was meant for this kind of life. For a very long time, um, I have been a member of the civil society, and I feel like my years um, in politics was just the the aberration. Um, I'm very comfortable working with um, working with many different civil society groups. Also, in furtherance of our advocacies to uplift the lives of um, the marginalized, Um, we work we work closely with um, many of the. Um, underserved sectors, farmers, fisher folks, women and children, um, indigenous peoples, urban poor. Um, so so I have been working very, very closely with them. Um, e- um, even during the years that my husband was still mayor of Naga. So he was in politics. I was in civil society. Uh, when he died, there was a call for me to take take his place. So that was what I did. But after my term as vice president, um, I, I ended my term June of June 30 of 2022. Uh, July 1, we launched Angat Buhay as an NGO already.
2: I, I've been meaning to ask you, Lenny, I know mm. that you were forced into politics <laughs> because Jesse passed away and August 18, right? And uh, you were forced into this situation. I know that you really thought long and hard and you prayed over it and finally accepted the challenge. But I've always wanted to ask you, what made you accept it? What and s- inspired you to accept the challenge? Because I know you hated politics.
0: <laughs> the, first time, the first time I was asked to run Amina was just a few months after we lost Jesse. Kamarini Sur Politics is really all about political dynasties. And Jesse was a lone wolf. Um, mm-hmm. He was a lone wolf in a sea of, of political dynasties. So when he died, um, a huge ga- gap was, um, was there. And, um, a lot of his supporters, not, not just political supporters, but, um, his, the, the, his fellow advocates for uh, transparency, accountability, empowerment of the people, um, were really in need of a leader. I guess it was also because of Jesse's legacy mm-hmm. that it was easier for me to convince people that the fight was, was all worth it. Amina yeah. uh, um, if you're if you're in the midst of traditional politicians you know you, um, you know the I words. know what you mean <laughs> at, diba, kasi, kasi, um, it's it's really patronage politics
2: yes
0: um people are you know people are so used to just waiting for the politicians to give them their kitties yes. so yes. To, to, to go around with with no resources at all was very difficult. So, so I, I, what, what helped me really was the lessons also that I've learned from Jesse. Mm-hmm. Um, my many years as a, as, a, as, a, as a member of the civil society became very, very helpful in the sense that I was so used to working with the grassroots that it wasn't, you know, it didn't require extra effort on my part anymore uh, to, to be going around. What I lacked in resources, um, my, my vast experience with Jesse and my vast experience with civil society, more than made up for, for whatever it is that I lacked as far as resources is concerned.
2: Yeah. You know, Lenny, um, a lot of people were saying that for you to win uh, the congressional seat in your district was really not that difficult because of Jesse. And because you did have a base in civil society and among the women. So it would have been hard because you didn't have the resources, but wasn't difficult. So we, you know, people could easily see you winning. But when you finally decided to accept the challenge to run for the vice presidency, that was seen as more <laughs> challenge. Because who is Lenny Robredo? I mean, Naga, what's the voting population of Naga? There and is one, just
0: 100,000.
2: <laughs> yeah, and then you need millions of votes to be vice president. So you became the vice presidential uh, candidate. And uh, again, I ask you, what made you step out of your comfort zone and think that you would go into national politics and... Uh, be able to to make a mark i mean females in politics really yeah. have a very hard time making it lenny
0: you know the decision making process um when i ran for the vice presidency was so diffi- different was so mm-hmm. different with um the context uh, when i decided to run for congress both Jesse and i never had any experience running for a nation- national office Mm -hmm. Um, we knew that it was more than um, the kind of politics that we were used to um, for so long. Um, I wasn't the first choice. I wasn't the first choice. I I think I wasn't the second either. (laughs) So when, when I, you know, um, when I was finally drafted, I just felt that it was a very consequential elections for the country. And, um, I, I, I just I, I kept on asking myself when I was making the decision making process that if Jesse were alive, if Jesse were alive and the, the you know the the nomination was was he, he was the one nominated instead of me, how could he have decided? And mm-hmm. I was very sure at that time that because it was going to be a very consequence so consequential elections, Jesse would have decided to run. Um, mm-hmm. If he felt that by running he would be able to help not just the party but he would right. be able to help you know the entire right. cohort of people pushing for good governance, pushing for a continuation of what have been started already by then President Aquino. So that that was the that that was the thing. It was it was really um, it was really anchored on. Um, you know, again the burden of responsibility. And not mm-hmm. just for the local party anymore. But the responsibility of um, being given the chance to do your part. And I, I, I was I was telling myself that um Siguro, siguro if if I, I didn't answer the call to run, uh, baka I would have regretted not answering it. Um, but at that time, Amina, um I don't know if you still remember. Um, in twenty the, the elections of twenty sixteen, we were six c- serious candidates for the vice presidency. Right. Yes. Um, when I started, i I had a one percent. Um, I had a one percent um, approval rating. I mm-hmm. was number six of six. Mm-hmm. So, so the 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 party at that time just wanted somebody who was um, <laughs> yes. who was a woman was a woman whose, whose reputation was, was beyond reproach, nothing else. So it was like, I had to work extra hard. Um, I, had to, I had to campaign um, more, than, more than what the party has prepared for us. Um, I remember during that time, um, I was very, very masipag. I was very hardworking. Um, the, the, the campaign schedule given to us would be usually until 7 o'clock in the evening. Yeah. And after we're made to go home, I would still, you know, I would still campaign on my own because I know that I had to work hard just to have a fighting chance at it. So it was difficult. It was eight months of going around the country. Eight months of going around the country. Um, I remember the first months during the campaign, I would you know I would enter a a gym full of people and people would just look at me and you know um perhaps wondering who is this lady
2: yeah who is this lady <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it was, it is difficult, but um you know with the, with the benefit of hindsight um i I feel like it it was worth all the not just because I won mm-hmm. but um just just you know just um deciding decide deciding to have a shot at it um it it was worth everything
2: yeah you know um one of the major uh, factors really uh, in the early days the reason why you were the sixth among six candidates was because you were a neophyte yeah. but i wanted to mm-hmm. i wanted to ask you was your was being female also a a factor Was it something that dragged you down that you had to show you're better than the men? It's being most, female. Most definitely, most definitely. And
0: then, you know, Amina, not just when I became a politician already, even when I was still a practicing lawyer. Mm. Um, during the days that I was still a practicing lawyer, you know, I was I was with the public attorney's office and then I eventually joined Seligan. um You know, it, it was a very male-dominated world at that time. Oh yeah. yeah. So even 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 w- when you're in litigation, you're you're presenting your client um, in the courtrooms. Um, I I know for a fact that I had to work um, ten times as much as my male counterpart mm-hmm. just to be able to prove that I was worthy. Um, it was difficult. Um, there were a lot of you know, having come from the province, also there have there there are a lot of societal um, expectations. Like if, if you're a woman and you're, you, you know, you're a wife and you're a mother, you have to be taking care of your children all the time. And, you know, th- those pressures, um, you have to go past that. And it only, I think, w- when I became vice president and there was a lot of um, fake news already, disinformation, mm-hmm. um, the, the, the online world was weaponized. Um, I was more vulnerable um, so it, the 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 difficulties of being a woman politician um, were exacerbated because of you know because of the political climate at the time, and oh, because yeah. of the fact that yeah because of the fact that it was easier to you know I was more vulnerable because of social media. So there have been a lot of there have been a lot of challenges because of my gender. Most of the attacks against me were gendered attacks. Um, so, so, you know, um, it, it really required a lot of, a lot of courage. It required a lot of strength to be able to um, web.
1: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me.
0: they're all that um when i was in congress i also felt that um there there were a lot of i think about when i was there i think about 30 percent of congress was was women members of congress Mm -hmm. already Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but most of the most of the women members of congress were members of political dynasties so it's like um, a lot of them were also insulated from the attacks I had to I had to contend with all of that, but at the same time also, even if most of the time you feel like uh, the world is unfair to women, you can't also um, allow allow those the, the sense of unfairness to get the better of you. You can't allow that to get in the way of the work that you're doing. So you just have to continually um, prove yourself. Proving yourself is not a, exactly a bad thing, because mm. um, you know consciously you you work. Twice as hard as you would have had the had the limitations um, not been there. So, ano naman siya? It's there. I I I have authored a lot of authored and co-authored a lot of bills that would have you know that would have um, amended many of our laws uh, which are still discriminatory against women. And during the committee. During the committee hear- hearings, um, I would be very frustrated um, because of the comments by not just mm-hmm. the male colleagues, not just male colleagues, but even my women colleagues. Um, because um, during the discussions, that's when you realize there's not much appreciation yet yeah. of um, the, the kind of value that must be given to us, um, not, not just because we're women, but because we're, we're human beings. That's which, right. which you know, which uh, it's 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 basic human right to be treated in the same manner as as men are treated. So it was a it was a um, source of a lot of frustrations um, when I was in Congress, um, but that sort of prepared me for. I, I think it it has gotten um, far far worse when I was vice president already.
2: Yeah,
0: um, you know. I had been at the receiving end of a lot of misogynistic remarks from um, mm. no less than the president himself. Mm-hmm. So just, 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 just having to react to many of that, it was a, it was a balancing act also for me. So yeah, I, I,
2: when you <laughs> reacted, any very cool, yeah. very gentle. I, I, but, no, I didn't you know, have a
0: choice. I, I, you know, together. I mean, I didn't have a choice because I, 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 did realize that I had work to do, and you know, I can cannot be overly sensitive about many of those things. But at the same time, I have to show people that, um, you know, I those things are totally unacceptable. So it was difficult. It was difficult, and I, I can just imagine a lot of women also going through right. so much. That's right. um, because Just because they're, they're women.
2: You know, just uh, to share with you, some of our guests have been political leaders in other countries, uh, Japan, Malaysia, Indonesia, and their experiences are similar to what you're experiencing. The <laughs> harassment when they're going campaigning, the harassment from colleagues, the misogyny that yeah. they were experiencing. And um, it's going to get worse, we feel. Because the authoritarianism that we've been seeing expanding globally, I'm sure, has also found its way into oh. Southeast Asia. So, what do you think about that situation, Lenny? What do we do so that we can really uh, protect the democratic space where women are allowed to participate, where they can uh, really take the, you know, the, the stage? and help the nation to to move forward and to develop? What can be done?
0: You know, there are, there are a lot of things you can do, Amina. Um, number one, we have to keep on pushing. But number two, we have to strengthen our ranks. Um, from experience, um, women are more courageous if they are with many other women. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's more difficult to fight if you're alone. It's easier to fight when you're with other people. To be able to build women organizations is a big thing, because you know um, not only does it provide sanctuary for all of us, but when when we do push for our advocacies or we fight for issues we feel are very very important to us women, we're we're, you know we're more confident, we're more confident, we're more deliberate. Um, we, We, you know, we. We have the courage to fight back um, if if we know that there are more of us fighting. Um, we have we have experienced that in in many other issues that we have been fighting uh, about. It's it's better to fight if if kayo, if if there are many of you fighting. I just remember Amina. Um, one other thing, during the campaign, we have been doing, the, I, I was ref- I'm was, i referring to the presidential campaign, mm-hmm. we have been doing a lot of focus group discussions, FGDs. Okay. And sometimes, um, you know, in FGDs, it's it, me, many of the groups are controlled groups. So mm-hmm. one such FGD was um, among women who are not voting for me. So um, we were trying to extract why they are not voting for me. So they were being asked, "Why are you not voting for them?" And you know, Amina, in many of the groups with with this kind of sample um, demographic, these are all women. These are all women. They would say, "I'm not voting for her because he's a woman, and she's weak." Really? Yeah. And that's, you know, that's that's the that's the most frustrating part of all. These are women, and the only reason why they think I I was weak because I was a woman. So, so I was thinking, it's not just a you know, it's it's not just a problem that we have with men who are misogynistic, but you know, society has dictated that women are weak. So we have to do something about it.
2: I was just going to um, ask a little bit more about uh, about that, Lenny, you, your observation that even women. Uh, you know, not very supportive of women candidates because they think they're weak. But uh, Lenny, the Philippines is, uh, you know, leading the uh, the movement in uh, Southeast Asia in terms of women's political...
0: Yeah. We're actually number two. You know what,
2: happened? We're actually what happened to us, Lenny, that uh, that movement seems to be uh, you know, slowing down or on the decline? And what are you going to do about it, Attorney Lenny? You know, it's
0: been the subject of many discussions in many of the conferences I've been attending, Amina. Because the Philippines, if I am not mistaken, is number two in the mm-hmm. Asia-Pacific as yeah. far as gender responsiveness is concerned. Right. And to a, to a certain extent, Amina, I I would like to think that that is correct in the sense that in the Philippines, there are more women politicians, in the Philippines, there are more active women organizations, but but the point here is, um, even if we're number two, even if we're doing better than the rest of Southeast Asia, that is no reason for us to you know to rest on our laurels, or because to slow know, down, or, or to slow down because we know for a fact that you know Halimbawa, women participation. When when you look at women participation, we're we're up there. We're up there, but if if you you know if you do a qualitative um mm-hmm. qualitative evaluation of women participation, as I was telling you earlier, many of our women politicians are there um, because they're members of the political dynasty. And I'm not saying that um, they're bad politicians because they're members of the political dynasty. I'm just saying that um, data shows that. Um, a lot of these women are not really there to fight for gender equality. So, so there's no deliberate effort to, you know, to fight for it. Um, I, I would like to think that that effort has to be more deliberate in the sense that I, I was telling a while ago. Even if we're number two, we we still have a lot of existing laws which are detrimental to women, and these laws were supposedly passed. Um, to protect women, but they are detrimental to women, and until now they have not yet been amended because um, in Congress, even if there are a lot of women already, there's no conscious effort to really look into what right. are the you know what are the structures um, that contribute to you know to to um, the quality of women participation in in in, in the legislative bodies. So there, there are many things. There are many things that we can do. There are existing laws already that, you know, we have Women's Month every March. Um, we have Gender and Gender and Development Fund.
1: Um, That's right,
0: yeah. It's, it's mandated that a certain percentage of the local budget and the national budget should go for gender and development um, activities. But if you look closely at what…
2: Where what it's going.
0: Yeah. So it's… <laughs> Sometimes Amina, it's a one-shot thing, just for compliance. So, yes. alimbawa, alimbawa, there's a budget for um, Women's Month. So sometimes they spend it for t-shirts, t-shirts, yeah. and then they do a parade all over the all over the city, just to That's show true. that they have done something. So it's it's you know, yeah. There, yeah. There's yeah. not I, been I, enough be, qualitative evaluation of what we have been doing as far as. Um, you know, um furthering the cost for, for gender yeah. equality is concerned. So ano talaga? Um it, it leaves much to be desired.
2: Yeah. We have the law, it's the implementation really and the forging forward that we really need to
0: to Sa work ano on. Dang, Amina. Um, I, I have been pointing this out also. Kasi under the law, each um, government office and each local government unit Has to have a gender and development um, officer who shall oversee the implement and the the planning and the implementation of those plans. But if you look at it, most of the God point persons Mm -hmm. uh, are just appointed because they are women, but that's not their primary assignment.
1: Most of them have other
0: assignments. um, sometimes if the budget officer is a woman, he w- she will also be the general development. Sometimes mm-hmm. if the human resource officer is a woman, she will also be appointed. but that's not her main, you know
1: that's, that's right. not
0: her main responsibility. So how, how would yep. you expect her to, you know to, to really focus on the work that's ahead? So a better appreciation of the value of the of the office should be there para naman they would appoint somebody na gagawin talaga to to focus on the work ahead so That's right. the, the, <laughs> you
2: know one of one of our um, previous guests who's a such a strong supporter of of yours uh, attorney lenny Socrates. yes Socrates yes. would reiterate uh, the fact that just because you're a woman doesn't mean you're pro Women's issues. I know and she would cite um, uh, national leaders, political leaders uh, who occupy very high government positions, who have never really done much for advancement of uh, women's empowerment or or the women's agenda. So just because you're a woman, you're right. You know, th- yeah. doesn't mean that uh, they're going to be pro women's um, agenda. But, you know, you you were six years in the vice uh, presidency and you used your time very wisely to move around and Mm -hmm. really see what the provinces, what the communities needed. Those six years of engaging with our communities, uh, Attorney Lenny, what would be like the three or the one priority that you think, we really should make our government uh, uh, implement so that our communities will become a little better because we were suffering from poverty, high education. Mm-hmm. I mean, you name it, we would see that problems. But in, in your experience, what, what should be the priority?
0: I mean, if you look at the data now, in the last um, six years, the main problem as far as the Philippines is concerned is education and health. Um, mm. If you look at all the international assessments, we're last as far as education yeah. is concerned. Um, I remember when the, the PISA report came out in 2019, um, we were last as far as reading and math is concerned. And we were second to the last as far as science is concerned. Mm-hmm. So I was very alarmed already at that time. I, I remember um, our office tried to implement uh, programs to be able to to help. Um, but as as you were talking to some of the national government officials who would have more influence as far as policy mm-hmm. is concerned, we were told "Na oh, don't believe that PISA report because that was not, you know, that was not accurate. So so there was no acceptance. There was no acceptance of, of the of the gravity of the problem that we were already having at the time. Pero it the the World Bank report came out in 2020, which the the World mm-hmm. Bank report basically affirmed. What the PISA right. report was all about, and it was more—it it was scarier, because mm-hmm. the World Bank report was saying that 90% learning poverty in the th- there was 90% learning poverty in the Philippines, 90%, mm-hmm. and if you look at if you juxtapose it um, now with Vietnam, and if you look at Vietnam's learning poverty, we're at 90%. Vietnam mm-hmm. now is less than two percent. Right. layo. So mm-hmm. Vietnam Politic is less than two percent. And, and, and you know, the, um, all, all the all the articles now that's coming out, uh, I, I, I just read one that came out in The Economist is saying that mm-hmm. Vietnam's economic turnaround was because it gave a lot of, you know, it has invested a lot in education. Yes, they have. So, um, sakin, Amina, I think that's the most basic. Parang, parang when you talk of poverty kasi. That that's the that's the one biggest big biggest problem that we have. But right. it's so it's so abstract, right? True. But yeah. in education and health when you talk of education and health, you know right away what we're talking about. Yeah. So just just to be able to you know focus all our efforts on really educating our children, because yeah. in right. World Bank report, Amina, parang one out of ten of um, grade four students do not know how to read
2: yeah. and now and we have
0: high school students not not knowing how to read yeah.
2: and this, this is the thing um attorney Lenny. I, i'm really glad that you link health and education because the problem is our children are, are malnourished do do. It's um, that you know if you lack the nutrition especially in the formative years. The development of the brain is is affected
0: um, when when we decided to start doing community learning hubs. Um, mm. When when the World Bank report came out, um, it was also during the pandemic.
2: Lenny, I'm um, glad have, you we... put that up because <laughs> I was going to ask you: Is that why Uh-oh. education is now yeah. an important segment of angat buhay? It, it is.
0: It is because of that particular um, because of that data. Yeah. But when, when we put up community learning hubs, um, we did pil- Piloting Muna. It's, it's mm-hmm. a program that we're doing with the UP College of Education. Mm-hmm. So, UP College of Education helped us with the, with the modules. And they're also doing pre-assessment and post-assessment. So, um, we, we, ha- we had a number of pilot sites. And we, we, we tried to, to retest after three months. After three months of tutoring, mm-hmm. most of the sites uh, we started with a baseline of 30%. After three months, uh, we're at ni- we were at 90% already. It, it was a, it, It's a six month program. Wow. So, so ganan yung, yung um, post assessment. But right. there were two schools uh-huh. which were not doing as well. So, yung two schools, 60% lang siya, while the other schools were at 90% after three months. Mm-hmm. So, we decided to go down and dig deeper. Both schools were in in um, very, very poor communities. Mm-hmm. And most of the children were stunting. Yes. And pag tinignan natin, na in the areas where stunting is so high, may feeding mm-hmm. programs naman ng gobyerno eh. Parang ang problema yata natin, na we are so activity-oriented that uh. we're not so conscious of outcomes. Yeah. Kasi sabi ko, para, if we're spending so much on feeding and we still right. we still can't solve stunting because we have one of the biggest um we have one of the highest stunting um percentages all over the world. But yeah. we have a lot of feeding programs also. Most of them start when children start uh, their preschool, young nursery, yung the right. daycare. Para for for mm-hmm. for that's too late. That's too late because um stunting is irreversible after the age of five. So ngayon, um, our programs in Angat Buhay, um, we have a nutrition component. We're starting with um, infants until 59 months old. We, we should prevent um, stunting um, as early as possible. Kasi right now, pag pumasok yung bata na five years old, it's too late. It's too late to do intervention because it's irreversible. So um, it's it's difficult to work, but um, we are very much aware of our limitations. We're a small NGO. But ang aspiration na namin, amin na now is for us to be able to showcase programs yeah. that work and are replicable. So that um, if they work and they're replicable and there are, you know, government agencies or local government units who are open to replicating them, then it, that will be good. And we have, seen, um, we have seen local government units already replicating. For example, um, the, the provincial government of Iloilo has been funding many programs replicating our models already. So that, that's very good for us. And that's the aspiration. Yeah. that um you know we we don't get frustrated that we are only able to do so much
1: yeah
0: um but the aspiration yeah. is really um to to this to to be able to design programs at work
2: yeah and in the in our, our next conversation i'll be asking you about uh, the work that angat Buhai has done and i hope will continue to do in the areas of indigenous peoples and pangsamoro. So, dear listeners, you've, listen, you've heard <laughs> the first part of our conversation with our our former Vice President, uh, Lenny uh, Robredo, now Attorney Lenny, who has not let up in her engagement <laughs> with our community. So, thanks so much, uh, Attorney Thank Lenny, you. for also. sharing with us all of this um Uh, achievements and experiences as a leader in politics and a leader in development and a leader in civil society. So dear listeners, we're going to have another part of this conversation with Attorney Lenny where she will inspire you with uh, her personal uh, (laughs) achievements. and the support given by her family and and friends. So thanks for listening to part one, dear listeners. This is Amina Rasul of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy saying tune in to the second episode of our Lenny Robredo interview. Bye
1: for (laughs) now. She Talks Peace is brought to you in partnership with Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. For more information, check out their website at podcastnetwork.asia and podmetrics.co.